You're listening to Business Bus, the official podcast of King's Business Club, the largest business and finance society in London. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Business Buzz with me, Alex. Today, I'm joined by Manish Sethi, a fellow business student here at King's and CEO and co-founder at Rescue Glass, a waste management company in Thailand which upcycles used glass bottles into decorative and innovative household decorations. So firstly, thank you for joining me today, Manish, and welcome to uh, Business Buzz. I'd like to hand over to you now and just allow you to introduce yourself, maybe an academic, social background. So over to you. Perfect. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here and to join you today. Um, so my name is Manish Sati. I'm the CEO and co-founder of a social enterprise called Rescue Glass. We're primarily based in Bangkok, Thailand, where we do most of our operations. We're not currently expanding to London just yet. However, we have a team in Vancouver as well. Um, I'm, a, I'm going to my third year in, in King's College studying business management and finishing up my final year now. I studied in international school in Thailand. I lived in Thailand my whole life and I did the international baccalaureate program. And I'm really excited to be here to share about my story and my, you know, my struggles and my journey. And also hear more about Alex and his podcast and all the amazing things he's doing as well. Yeah, great. Uh, so let's jump into it then. Let's hear a little bit about your business, uh, Rescue Glass. So firstly, just some background on where the idea came from. This is what I'm interested in because, you know, I'd imagine you were quite young when it, when you started it because you started it before you you came to Kings, I imagine. So just shed some light on where the idea came from and, and what your thoughts were when you started this. Yeah, of course, I would love to. So, you know, initially Rescue Glass started back as a CAS project. So for those of you who don't know this, it's part of like a service curriculum back in high school as part of the IP diploma program. So my co-founder and I, Alden Shaw, came up, he came up with the idea and I was like, wow, this Alden, this idea is amazing. We need to bring this to school and do something with it because all these bottles are so beautiful and no one's doing anything about it. Let's transform it and make it into something beautiful. So we brought both brought it together to high school. We led meetings in school. And, you know, this was maybe when we were 16. And this was, it was not very professional or serious in that sense. We met once a week, most of the time for 20, 30 minutes. We sold at school fairs and events, but it wasn't serious. But then I went to university with no intention to take Rescue Glass beyond me. Fortunately, Rescue Glass continued its legacy in school. But again, with high school, your priority is school, not so much all your extracurricular activities as of yet. But I, I, in first year university in Kings, I came and I, I was interviewed on a platform called Enactus. And the interview, interviewee asked me about Rescue Glass and I told him about it. And she was like, wait, why do you start? A? And I was like, you know what? And I haven't thought about it. I don't have much experience. Why not try? So we tried starting in the UK. We made decent progress. It was very difficult. I didn't know anyone here. I was literally carrying, like contact, calling all the bars, going face to face. Hey, can I collect your bottles? Most bars rejected us, got some bottles, literally walked 30, 40 minutes with just bottles in my hand back to my flat because I didn't want to waste money on Uber starting a new company. We pitched to Amazon, but we made very, not, we didn't make much progress because we were still too small and we're still figuring out our base. We didn't meet enough. We weren't ready yet. But then because of COVID, March, 2020, we were all, my team and I, or at least me, I was forced to go back because of COVID in Thailand. And I was like, you know what? We have more time on our hands now. We have a new opportunity. Why not take my dream of making the rest of the glass something bigger to create a positive change and let's, let's grow it. So ever since we started, we decided in March, 2020 to start the company. We launched last year in July, July 15th, 2020. And ever since it's history, just learning, failing, and just growing the company. Wow. Right. So, so this was just a small project at the beginning you did in school. 
Um, so, so what's the what was the process then? Because you say so, I imagine when you started taking this seriously, it was in the UK, right? When you came to 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 Kings, is that right? So I took it. We took it semi seriously, and the thing is, I was very naive and very, I guess, unrealistic or, very, or too optimistic. I thought it'd be very easy to start a company where I wasn't from. But you know, running the company for over almost two years now in Thailand, I realized how much effort it takes, and you know how much experience and skills and capital you need to really build a company. So I really took it seriously when I, in March when I came back, and after we launched the company, I'm, I almost worked full time almost every day, Monday to Sunday, like every day, to grow the company to where it is today. Yeah. So you started this with with one other person. So how how did you start realizing you needed to 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 grow your team and then subsequently how did you do this because i'm sure this isn't a two man band right there must be more people involved with 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 this company 100% great question so my co-founder alden shaw started it back in high school and we we were both very heavily invested into it but afterwards he was busier doing other things and other internships he obviously helped us whenever he could but it wasn't his priority but i took mostly that as my baby is my priority so i was the one who was managing most things how do i get the team we had a team already from Enactus, but you know, with COVID, the different transitioning, all everything going on, me being very unorganized in the start, not knowing what I was doing, the team kind of split up. But then we found a new team again. I found my old high school friends and people I knew back in Bangkok, and a few people still in the UK, and we work together to just build and grow the team. But for me, I work on an internship basis, and I have part time and some full time workers. But we can't afford to pay anyone or, or, or myself yet for the last two years, so we pay people by you know experience and learning and, and per, per, personal and professional growth. So that's how I've been able to grow the company so far. But my team's always changing. But I have a few core members that's with me right now. Yeah, great. So making a meaningful difference, one bottle and uh, and experience at a time. This is the mission, right? This is the goal, the vision for for Rescue Glass. When I saw this, it's obviously quite powerful. But what exactly to you is a meaningful difference? You say one bottle at a time, and that's obviously a a realistic way to think about it. But what what does a meaningful difference mean? Is there is there a a metric or or a level of uh, impact that you've created that would that would define meaningful? Like what is meaningful to you? Of course, that's a really great question. Thanks for asking that. So our mission is to create innovative and sustainable products whilst being whilst empowering local communities. So that's where our meaningful aspect comes in. But if you see our thank you notes, there are three components to it. So the first one is where we rescue glass bottles. So firstly more than 28 billion glass bottles and jars end up in landfills every year, right? That's equivalent to Empire State Building filling up every three weeks with just bottles. If I was back home in my office right now, the amount of bottles we have was absurd. Absurd. Firstly, so we rescued the glass bottles, right? All the bottles get thrown away. And especially in Thailand, they aren't getting recycled. So that's the first thing, reducing carbon emissions by rescuing all these glass bottles. Secondly, I'm a big believer in knowledge is power, right? I'm a student myself and always going to be a student for the rest of my life. I work closely with the with five international schools in Thailand, and I, and I partnered with them. I work with hundreds of students, and I have a, we were part of the school, and we, I work with the leaders, and the leaders, I developed them, their entrepreneurial mindset, help them learn about sustainability, and they lead a team under them. So right now, I have maybe 120 students um, within the international schools, and I'm constantly doing talks every month, talking to hundreds, if not thousands yet, about entrepreneurship, my story, my journey, and how they can start as well. And thirdly, we empower and employ underprivileged women in the slums who make sustainable packaging for us, right? I love what Second Chance is doing. So the company is called Second Chance. And the amazing thing about Second Chance is that every single packaging is made from an old shirt that's been upcycled. So we're combating fast fashion, reducing inequalities, and empowering women whilst making sustainable and innovative products. 
So that's essentially about our story, you know, young entrepreneurs creating a meaningful difference. I hope that answers your question, Alex. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And that's something I, I can get behind as well. But further on the on the actual waste management problem, there is a huge waste management problem in Thailand. You've got these open air city center dumps. There don't seem to doesn't seem to be many bins on the streets. Also, um, I've read that it's a very low amount of the dump sites in Thailand are actually managed properly. So do you feel sometimes that the, the difference that you're making is making a difference? And is there anything that you feel that in politically maybe that that you you would push for to, to help with, with what you're trying to achieve? Yeah, no, great question. So there's two components to this. The first component is that, you know, countries like Thailand, where we're not as economically developed as of yet. The problem is I spent the last two years with professors, with university students, trying to figure out how bad the problem is. But the problem is the problem is so bad, no one's taking account, no one's being accounted for it, and there's no information about it. So there's no statistics about where the glass is going, what's happening to the glass, all these things, you know. And so how am I overcoming this? I believe that education is a solution. That's why I work closely with schools. I'm raising awareness about this issue. Yes, plastic is bad, but what about glass? Glass is 100% recyclable, but why worldwide only 32% of glass being recycled? So we're raising awareness about this issue, you know, raising, you know, letting people understand like, look, we have to tackle this problem. And I'm trying to create a new, I guess, a way of doing business. I'm not, not necessarily me doing it new, but I'm just trying to uh, show others that you can do it too. You can make a business that is for profit, but also has a good impact on society, on the community and on the environment as well. Yeah. And that brings me neatly onto my, to my next point, actually, which is the business model itself. Um, and I think you've answered this already, but I wanted to ask you specifically why social enterprise like this. I'd imagine this isn't for money because you're making a difference and you want to, to you're very purpose driven clearly, but why social enterprise then does, does the money matter or is it the cause? Yeah. So, you know, when we started, I didn't, we didn't think, we didn't ask about how to maximize profit. Instead we asked, how can we maximize our impact? We're all young entrepreneurs and we all have a you know, responsibility to create change for the better, however that is. No matter how small or big, we are responsible for our future. And if we don't take care of it, who else will? So you know, initially, profits didn't matter at all. But of course, as you grow the business, we got to find different ways on how can we be innovative, sustainable, and also profitable as well. So it's a combination of all three. But when we started, we just focused on impact. And if you ask me, how do I measure success or failure in my business? It's about impact. It's about, you know the environment, the society, and the people we made, how much have you learned as a team? I'm not too fussed up about revenues and profits just yet because we're still learning, making mistakes and growing. Yeah. So the idea came first then, and then you decided to turn it into a bit of proper business structure. And you've already answered this because you said it was just a, a side project. And then all of a sudden you saw it grow in traction, in interaction. But did you ever feel maybe that, that this was the wrong business model? Do you feel maybe there was a different uh, path you could have taken that could have been more profitable and just as impactful for you? That's a great question. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to sustainability and profitability, sustainability is not cheap, but it can be as well. So it really depends how you tackle it. You know, I could go for plastic packaging for my candles or cheaper alternatives. It's much cheaper, maybe 50% cheaper from what I've known in my experience. But for me, it's not about that. I want to make an impact. I want to create a legacy that helps people believe in themselves and create positive change. So I pay a premium for my packaging, but it's for a good cause. I'm raising awareness about issues that need to be drawn against, especially in countries like Thailand, where we need to, you know, especially I'm so lucky. I went to international school and many of my colleagues and mates all went to international schools as well. We're so fortunate. We need to give back. We need to create the change our world desperately needs. I hope that answers your question, Alex. Yeah. 
Um, you've just brought a new question to my mind then. Do you feel like this sort of international education that you you got then when uh, in, in an international school, do you think this affected your uh, your view on a global issue and trying to, to give back then? Did, did this help you as opposed to me who was schooled in the UK from, from birth? Do you think there's a difference? And do you think, well, what is the difference if there is one? 100%. So I went to this international school and I'm very connected with them again, still till today, even though I graduated a few years ago, I, I go often, very often, I work a lot with the students. And the biggest thing about my education in the IB was I was given a lot of perspective in life. In a sense, I went, I've been to Cambodia and I've slept on the floor and I've seen villagers. I've slept around, like, you know, walked around these pigs walking around. I remember that, you know, we, we're aware of all these things where so many of us who go to international schools are really well off and we're very fortunate, but we don't realize you know, because we're fortunate, we have the responsibility and the power to create the change, to reduce the disparities in the world. I've, I've been to the slums. I used to go once a month and go check in on the people. Be like, hey, how are things going? How can I help? COVID hit. It's been horrible in Thailand. We've done our best to donate, raise awareness, and just help the people who need our help the most. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people can take can take advice from that, um, and that's a really really good way of thinking, especially. Once you start getting a profitable business, coming back to surface level and seeing the problems that need solving, especially in a position of of, of power and authority. So yeah, no, that was really interesting actually. But away from that now, I want I want to I want to hear because you've you've answered this kind of already, but I'm sure like any business, there were some obstacles, some criticism, and this is mainly from my perspective at the the mammoth task that you've given yourself. Or do you see it as a mammoth task, firstly? But secondly, what obstacles or criticisms have you faced considering that this there's a huge task ahead of you? Yeah, I'll be frank with you, Alex. You know, when I first started, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be really, I thought it'd be super easy, you know. And after doing it now, it's probably the most challenging thing I've done in my life, but the most rewarding and the most learning I've ever done, both personally and professionally. You know, I've been rock bottom. I've been, I wanted to give up many times, but I persevered for the last 16 months. And stayed strong because of my team, my support system. And, you know, I'm really passionate about my mission. But, you know, I, I face challenges every day, problems every day that I never thought I would ever have to face. But as an entrepreneur, it's about learning. How do you overcome these problems? How do you stay resilient? And how do you find solutions for problems? Because you'll have problems every single day. For me, one of the biggest problems I faced, and I talk about this a lot in my talks and everything as well, is that, you know, I started young. I started when I was 19. And initially, I didn't believe in myself. I was like, oh, I'm the CEO. But you know what? I'm the CEO of guys. I believe in myself now. Of course, you know, I have, I still have room for improvement and everything as well, but it's that I don't have much experience, you know, starting a business or working much before I just had a dream. I'm going to start a company. And I, I literally just dive deep straight to the ocean. I jumped to the ocean, no life jacket. I almost drowned a few times. I was just trying to stay afloat and I asked for help. I learned as I went, my team helped me. We all learned together and, you know, we just did our best to just learn and just grow from there. I hope that answers your question, Alex. Yeah. So do you see yourself as this sort of serial entrepreneur starting multiple businesses? Or do you see yourself as sort of like the Elon Musk who just devotes every waking moment to a project and doesn't stop until he's achieved the greatest feats? Because I see myself and I was looking and I noticed you, you're a freelance web designer and you've been a personal trainer. And this resonated with me because this is the sort of entrepreneurship that I'd like to pursue sort of you're interested in something or you find yourself passionate or, or, or good at something and you find a way to make a business out of it. The way I saw Rescue Glass was not this way. It was that you saw a cause and you wanted to find the solution and help via social enterprise. But then I saw that you had other things as well. So I'd like to hear about what sort of entrepreneur do you see yourself as? Is it this social entrepreneur or is it sort of 
monetizing your passions, which is what I would sort of fit into? A great question. For me, it's more about social entrepreneurship first and seeing what I can do to help people. And then later on, once I built my, you know, my abilities, my skills to find a way to monetize it later. For me, I'm too early on my career to monetize it yet, but now I'm starting to think about how can I monetize my skills to develop my career? Because you need to monetize things to grow. But for me, I've been lucky. I, I, I consider myself an entrepreneur as young. I host, so I host a lot of events. I've hosted 500 people parties, 400 people parties back in Thailand. I work in an event company, first year university. So, you know, quite, um, I know the space relatively well. I know how to host event, large events, manage events, but I also run a security company back in Thailand. So we do freelance, police, military, event, private security. So I work with celebrities, DJs, clubs, um, VIPs, and I just take care of freelance security. For me, that's a, that's a passion, just helping um, a few people yeah. out. And side hustle. I did personal training, but I've stopped now because of COVID. Um, I, I have been doing freelance website designing, but I've stopped now as well. For the last 16 months, I devoted most of my time to Rescue Glass. But also I started my consulting on a side, helping people build their own businesses as well. But now for me, for the next few months, it's about being the mentor I wish I had. So that's why I'm working with almost 100 students directly and indirectly to guide them and to learn from them, but also to be of some hope and faith for them to believe in themselves and grow their entrepreneurial dreams. Yeah. So is, is this where you see yourself then in the future? Do you see yourself building new businesses or are you going to fully immerse yourself in Rescue Glass and mentorship? Is this going to be your... Your, your dream now? Or is there going to be more? Are there going to be more businesses that we can be talking about in the future? Great question. And to be frank, you know, initially I was so dedicated to Rescue Glass. I considered dropping out so many times. I was so fully invested into it, but it's tough. You know, how, why is Amazon where it is today? It's 30 years of hard work and dedication. I thought I could just grow a company in a few months and literally just scale the company so quick, too quick, but it, it takes time. It takes perseverance. It takes patience. For me now, my business has been quite affected by COVID, but I'm still doing all the education awareness side and brand building, which I'm grateful for and I'm truly grateful for. But in Thailand, in a sense, I'm paralyzed. In a sense, my supply has been paralyzed. I can't get luxury bottles anymore because everything's closed. But my, my demand also been uh, paralyzed. I had deals with hotels, restaurants, bars. They, they put the orders in, but the restaurants were all asked to be closed. Hotels were all asked to be shut. So for me, those are my big clients. Those are my big impact, but it's all been shattered. Schools are online now. We used to sell at school events. So now it's all about being adapting and persevering as well. But to answer your question, not to rattle on, um, I'm looking, I'm, I'm a little lost right now. I'm trying to figure out my way, see what's best for me, looking at yeah. full-time job offers, looking at different opportunities to, to see where my skills really lie and see what I'm really passionate about and try a bit of everything. And then I'll decide what I want to do. So re- right now I'm doing wrestling guys part-time. Yeah, I mean, we're in a similar position in our lives, although I'll argue that you've achieved things beyond what I would thought would be possible at this stage. But <laughs> I can see you shaking your head there, but bear with me. So we're going into a third year now, both of us, both business management students. So how has this affected you at all? Has, has the degree contributed to, to your business or to your skills? Or do you feel that this has been a passion on the side and that the degree maybe helps with employability or... How, how do can you connect the two? And if not, what are the benefits you see that, that our degree will get us for you anyway? Great question, Alex. Great, great, great questions. Um, I'll be frank, right? First year, um, I was more focused on, you know, partying, having a good time, meeting new people. I was part of an actus, which has been life-changing for me, which has been amazing. You know, focused well on studies as well, but it was good. First year was good. But second year, I was really lost in my own way. I was very stubborn. I neglected university to a large extent. First semester, I studied a bit. Second semester, I was I literally forgot, I literally 
didn't think much about university, didn't put much effort into it. And, you know, my grades took a little toll. Um, and, you know, even back in high school, I was the more, one of the most hardworking people in school, always achieving the best mm-hmm. grades. So second year, I didn't get the grades I wanted, but I didn't put the effort in. So it was a big turning point for me to realize, like, look, I need to balance things better. I can't be too extreme. So it was tough, definitely second year, balancing everything, balancing a social yeah. life, balance, balancing security business, balancing consulting, balancing website design, balancing working an event company, balancing recipe glass, balancing personal training. It was, it was a lot. But I just I, I focused on my what on recipe glass primarily, put everything aside. And then this year for me is about getting my grades back up, getting that two, on getting that first, you know, um, and just using the opportunities Kings has to meet such amazing people like yourself and so many people from the Kings business club and other people who are similar mindset, entrepreneurship, and just learn from other people as well. So that's my goal for the next year, make the most of Kings because I did not in the last year or so. Yeah. Do you know what? You, you took the words right out of my mouth because it's exactly what I was going to say too. First year for me was social. It was a completely new environment for me. Although, although I live in the UK anyway, it's a much smaller town. You're in London, it's a big city, new people living by myself. It's, everything was new. Right. But second year, I feel, and COVID was a huge factor in this, but I felt because I was at home and I had control of everything, I had a little bit more time. And then subsequently towards the second semester, I started to neglect my studies a little bit. And then other things like the training, because I'm really into fitness and health as well. The podcast, just coming up with ideas just to do something. But studies took the sidelines then, didn't they? And I'm, I'm, I can see you nodding, so I'm sure you agree with that. But my goal now for this year would be network, meet people like you, um, like Joel in the last episode. There's some really great people uh, at King's and, and beyond that, that we can we can use to, to build businesses with, just to build social or professional networks with. And I, th- I didn't take advantage of this in my first or second year. Um, but now I think it's the time to do it. And you've, you've got the, you've, you've hit the, the nail on the head there as well. No, hundred percent. And like, it's, it's a great opportunity because we find like-minded people, you know, I've been listening to your podcast, listening to the books you've read. And I resonate with so many of those things as well. Cause I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, our mindset has changed a lot from first year to third year. First year I was like, let's party, party, party. Let's meet some people. And then second year COVID's really restricted all the things. So it changed many of us. Like for me, I started developing healthier habits, meditating every day, reading every, almost every day, you know, doing all these things that I would, I never had the chance to do before. And then now third year, I'm ready to see my mindset improvement and, you know, connect with people who we can talk about business mindset, things like we're doing here, you know, what books have been reading and all these amazing things as well. Yeah. So I know a lot of students, right. And I was always the guy getting up at five or 6am. That was me, but there were other students who I could have gone to the gym. I could have been reading a book and they were still asleep. But I'd like to ask you, because it interests me, uh, what's your morning routine like? And do you put a lot of emphasis on sort of routines and habits in, in being able to do what you do? Amazing. I, I'm currently reading, let me just get the book. I read a lot of books. I'm currently reading a book on, you know, habits and everything. It's called The One Thing right now. Um, right. So it talks about how, you know, discipline helps you create the habits. And once the habits are instilled in you, that's what differentiates successful people and unsuccessful people. So I'll talk a little bit about my habits. Um, since October last year, 2020, I've been meditating every single day without fail for 30 minutes. So that's usually my morning routine. I wake up, I try my best to not use my phone because I wake up and I just have emails and messages and all these things that just bombard me from the mornings. I don't want to start my morning with stress. Yeah, yeah. Wake up off my phone, try my best to write in my diary, be grateful, drink a cup of tea, look at the view, just appreciate life, do my meditation. And then I start work right now. I'm working in um, Thai time zone. So it's six hours behind. 
So around, I start my meetings around 10, finish meetings around three, and then go to the gym and just relax, read, talk, to, like meet up with some friends, uh, grab a drink or whatever it is, and just relax as well. But yeah, that's a bit of my schedule. My habits include meditation every day, um, what's meditation every day, working out four times a week, um, self-reflection very often. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's most of mostly the habits I try to instill in myself. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, let me say, yeah, I, I like to read in the morning. I, I tend to find myself because I schedule things quite precisely, but I tend to find myself dropping off the later the day goes on, in terms of consistency. Um, and I think everyone gets this, but I find myself at nine a.m. until until lunchtime. Like I, I can I can focus. I've got that state of flow, and I can I can just go at something with no distractions but it start with reading it's just i can immerse myself in in a book and it's usually non-fiction like at the moment i'm reading uh black box thinking i'm not sure you can see that by matthew oh, I heard about that. but it's, it's a brilliant book and everyone should read it but yeah no i, I it's, it's great because at our age right we need to we need to learn new things and i think learning at the, at the start of the day you can allow that to manifest itself throughout the day and everything you do every everything you read every uh, every lecture you go to you can apply the the lessons you've learned in that morning to everything you learn during the day i don't understand people who get up in the morning and jump straight into a lecture this is what's been happening right with with the 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 online lectures everyone's just been waking up Maybe maybe quick coffee and then straight to it. But I need a couple of hours of, as you said, sort of meditation. I'm not consistent with that, I won't lie, but you know, planning my day and just appreciating life for 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 even if it's just 20 minutes, it does make a huge difference at the beginning of the day. Um, so yeah, we seem to be quite similar in that sense. But do you have any more structured approach to things? Because undoubtedly you do a lot. So do you have like a calendar that any software you use maybe to, to structure what you do? Yeah, great question. Uh, I, I do my best to do what, to be as busy as possible, but it's also important to keep in mind, I have days where I'm just lazy and I'm unmotivated and, de- and you know, lazy as well. So I don't want people to be like misconceived. Like, oh, how do you do so much? Like, yes, I do a decent amount, but I'm just, I learned to be effective with my time because I've learned from failing and we all have days where we don't feel demotivated and, you know, it's like the gym. We both go to the gym for a while now. It's that it's about being consistent. You don't feel like going to the gym every day, but we've both been working out for at least a few years, I believe. So I've been working for five years, right? So it's about that persistence and consistency and mind over matter. But for me, um, I use like Google calendar, super simple, but now I've started to use Calendly as well. So when I work with a lot of students, you know, with the different time zones, I work in Canada, Vancouver time. I used to work in London time when I was in Bangkok, I was working in three different time zones. So I just set it up and I just sent a link up. Okay, mentorship call, 30 minutes. Okay, um, rest of you guys meeting, one hour. But catch up, 15 minutes, coffee here. So it's really easy. It's it's set up with my Google Calendar, my different emails and everything synced. So that's helped me a lot. But what about you, Alex? Um, yeah, I, I mean, as I said, I like to see myself as someone who structures everything. Because without it, like I'm not going to lie to you. I am all over the place unless I know what I'm doing. You can sit there and procrastinate for six hours and get absolutely nothing done. Unless I tell myself the night before what exactly I'm doing. I'm recording this episode then. I'm going to edit it here. I'm going to look at social media then as in posting content. And everything has to have a time. Otherwise, I have... And you've obviously got a lot of different tasks that you need to get done. If they're all just in your head and you're trying to remember them, how are you going to put any brain power into actually actually completing any of them? That's the way I think. So everything has to be on paper. It's like your second brain, right? You spew everything out onto a piece of software or a piece of paper. 
and go from there. That's the way I think. Everything has to be structured. But I will say this. I did initially try and use multiple different note-taking and task management softwares like Notion. I used Notion. I used... I can't... I, the other one slipped my mind, but, you know, Google Calendar, uh, Evernote. And I just found that after a while, it's a task in itself just to keep them updated. So I'm just very simple now. I just use a very, very, very specific calendar and things can be structured down to like the minute. And you can tell me that that's the, the wrong way to do things or that's not how you like to do things. But just to, to have one place what I can refer to for everything I think is useful. Um, and I'm not sure what things are going to be like now in the third year because over summer and since since the beginning of COVID, I've, I've given myself a lot to do. I'm sure you've, you, you seem to have, have taken on a lot yourself. Um, and I'm starting to think now, what are things going to be like when I have teaching on top of that, when I have studies? So what do you think it's going to be like now in, in our third year? Yeah, great question. I think when it comes to organization, it depends on the person. And, and like different, you have to try different things and see what works best. Like for me, I'm not the most organized person. So I have, I'm lucky to have a colleague or a team who helps me and my friends who inspire me to be more organized and more goal oriented. For me, it's like, sometimes I drive a car and I'm just driving nowhere and I, I'm just driving, but I don't know where I'm going. So what I've tried to do with my flatmate and all my amazing friends and mentors and colleagues is that goal setting. So by the end of this month, I want to, I want to achieve this, 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 and being quantified. Okay. By each month, I need to read two books. Each month, I need to meet 10 new people. Each month, I need to achieve this much in sales for Rescue Glass. Each month, I have to achieve this many social media followers in Rescue Glass, whatever it is. And that's really helped me work backwards. Yet, I have a lot of progress and improvements to be made for there. But um, before, yeah, to go to your next question. Anything you want to add about organization before I go to your question you just asked about? You carry on. All right, perfect. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be difficult, difficult, challenging, and different. Um, online, second year, again, you can't, you know, we need to be in class. We need that, you know, oxytocin, serotonin. We need to be physically there. It makes a big difference. All the books I've been reading talks about that. You got to be present online. Yes. How, how present can you actually be? You know, people are afraid or shy to ask questions and it's just not a setting where you can grow and excel to your best version of yourself, in my opinion, especially for education. Third year will be definitely challenging, balancing everything you know, coming from a habit from no, no, no university and neglecting it much, at least for me, and now finding a time to balance. Okay, what are my classes? How do I watch all my lectures without just cramming it before my exam? And how do I actually make an effort with my professors and pe meeting people at King's and balancing events, balancing nightlife, balancing workouts, balancing working from home? So it'll be a challenge, but that's how we're going to grow, right? Being part of, being uncomfortable, you know, doing things we don't want to do, waking up earlier than usual or sleeping earlier than usual to wake up early in the morning. So that's how I believe I'm going to cope with it. But what about you, Alex? Yeah. Um, well, initially when, when uh, the online learning started, I was quite, was quite happy with the way things were because I was like, I'm all about efficiency. If I can do more in less time, then I'm going to do it. And I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste time over mundane tasks if I don't need to, or things that are time consuming if I don't need to do them. Um, so I, I liked that at first. I liked the fact that I could go from a lecture to a tutorial in seconds without having to, without having to run across Waterloo Bridge to different campuses all the time. I, I'm sure you, that resonates with you as well. But uh, and then I found, and as I said, I found my studies started to slip because everything was there. I could always come back to it. So I think motivation will be will will have increased when when I, when I come back now next week and when studies resume. Uh, and I think also my I'm not sure how my social life will will be impacted because I've given myself a lot to do and I'm very driven now. And I'm I'm hoping that I will have time 
for events and, and, and different things, you know, with, with KBC and, and beyond. <clears throat> but one little piece of advice that I read was when, you, when you're scheduling, uh, you know, you've got your lectures on your timetable and when you fill in the gaps in terms of study time, uh, revision, and then socializing, start with things you want to do. That includes going to the gym because for me, that's an essential. That's like number one. Um, it starts with things you want to do and then fill the gaps with with revision. Don't put a six-hour slot for uh, prepping for an exam or something. Make sure you have time first for yourself and then make time. Unless, obviously, you're ridiculous and you just socialize every minute of, of the day and then you have no time left. But that's something I read and it's something I'll probably try is start with things I want to do and then work from there. So maybe that's something you could try as well so you don't get overworked or, or burned out. 100%. And it talks about in, in the book as well, the one thing, right? Focus on what you need to do, not what you want to do as well. You got to prioritize what's most important and how it's going to help you. Like the gym helps us be more organized, more more, more awake, you know, the dopamine come, kicks in and everything as well. So again, like with the six hours of revision, are you being busy or are you being productive? It's a big difference. And I'm a big victim of this. Sometimes I'm very busy, but am I doing productive work? No. And I, I've been a victim of that, having a huge, huge team, having meetings, extra long meetings. And now it's all about check-ins, short meetings, get the, get the stuff on the call. And then, you know, don't have to like keep checking up on people and stuff as well. So I've learned a lot about productivity and efficiency. And yet I have a lot more to learn and improve as well. Yeah, it's, the, it's that productivity versus activity, isn't it? You can you can give yourself six hours of time to, to revise, but are you sat there spending most of it planning how those six hours are going to work? And then by five hours in, you've got an hour left to look through notes and then you're just writing up notes anyway. So is that productive or are you just you know, buying time to make yourself, to tell yourself that you've been productive. I don't know, but we all do it anyway. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not perfect. You're saying I don't do this. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? Anything else you'd like to ask me before we, before we wrap up? Uh, one, one thing I'll add, you know, I've been listening to your podcast a lot. I love the reading one, you know, how, why, why we should read all the amazing benefits. And I've resonated with that so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I listened to the one about alcohol as well. And, you know, let's relate this back to COVID as well. I think maybe we can relate here. That, you know, because of COVID, because at least in Thailand, we had a curfew, we couldn't go out and meet people. We were able to have more time with ourselves, you know, like instead of partying two, three times a week, like we did in the first year, we don't have hangovers anymore. We don't wake up in the morning feeling clogged or like what's going on. And we have more time for ourselves to be more productive. So I resonate with that because I had more time to focus on my habits, on my work, on my career development and having fun as well. But talk to me a little bit about your podcast and, you know, wh why you're doing the podcast and what, do you, and just add on anything else you want to share about us. Um, yeah, well, essentially the podcast is just me liking to have conversations about things. Um, I'm all, I've, I'm sure you can you can you can see. I like to talk about motivation and efficiency, productivity. These are things I love talking about, and I read a lot. So I was like, how can I? Because I, I basically started with me and my friend, and I do it solo now because he's he's busy with with med stuff, but. Uh, we always used to sit down in school because we were in school together. We did our A-levels. And in the morning, we'd always have a conversation. It could have been about something like Karl Marx or taxes, or it could just be about motivation. And I was like, why don't we just start a podcast about well-being and, and motivation? Because we always had these conversations. And I was like, why don't we just talk amongst ourselves and put it out there? And if no one wants to listen, let's just do it for ourselves. But that's changed now. It's become like I'm nurturing this 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 thing now and I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy it and then uh i'm with business buzz too because it's a different type of podcast and it's really nice to just speak to other people about topics that i'm interested in 
I think everyone's passionate about what they're interested in, right? So <laughs> that's the whole idea behind it. But yeah, that's that's essentially what the what the podcast is about, and you know, it's motivation, well being, and just talking about things that that interest me and things that come up within those fields, like like reading. Reading is a big passion of mine. I talked about alcohol. I'm not saying I don't like alcohol. I think some people might have got the impression that I don't drink, but I think I made that clear that that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Pressures are coming up and everything as well. Like, yeah, like said, of course. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the podcast. And I, you know, I, think, I think everyone should start a podcast because everyone's got a friend or someone that they talk to about certain things and that they're interested in. And if not, just start one by yourself and share share content with the world. Like, I think the topic of well-being for young people and Gen Z right now is a really hot topic, you know, mental health and everything. So I'm just trying to give a platform to people. And I was just, I've been inviting my friends on to talk to me about anything they want. Um, and that's coming up soon. But yeah, I just wanted to create a platform for myself to share my experiences and to get other people to get involved in conversation and dialogue. That That's it really. And, and you're more than welcome to come on and speak to me about anything on, on my own podcast as well. So... That's amazing. I think it's such a great thing because I think, you know, sometimes social media can be a, a trap in a sense, at least, for, at least for me, it's like, you see only what they want you to see, but what about the progress? What about the, what about the process? What about the struggle? You know, mental health is so important. How do you learn to love yourself? How do you learn to believe in yourself? And that's something I'm very passionate about because I've had to go through high highs and low lows in my business. And it's all about yeah, finding that, yeah. you know, that medium to believe in myself and love myself and not be too egoistic, but also have that confidence, you know, like ego is stolen, but confidence is earned. So that's from the book, ego is the enemy. But that's really amazing that you're sharing all these amazing stories. Um, I have a few yeah. more questions for you, Alex, because I, I want to learn. I've, I've learned so much already and I want to learn more from you. What do you think sure. are some of your biggest takeaways you've learned from COVID, you know, or biggest realizations or just talk to me about a few realizations or biggest takeaways you've learned in the last year through all the amazing things you're doing. And just talk to me a little, about, a little bit about that. Um, I think I've learned that one of, one of the main things that I think I've learned is why, what am I waiting for? Sort of as a, as a concept, I, I was always had these ideas, but I was always waiting for something. And I think COVID struck and I was still waiting. And I was like, I'm just sat here. Like, what, what am I waiting for? Let's, why not start this podcast? Why not just do things? Because I've got quite high anxiety and I, I always feel people aren't going to like this or people are going to judge me for this. And then I started the podcast and then realized wow, actually the people who aren't interested just don't care. And the people who are interested are really interested. And I was like, well, 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 well that's great. And then COVID allowed me to get into that mindset that is now, you know, don't worry about what other people think. You know, and it tells you a lot about society. COVID is, is, is told us, taught us so much about, about society and coming together. And when we don't come together, but at the end of the day, life is short. So let's just, pursue what we want to pursue that's i know that was probably a deeper answer than you were looking for but that's that's the main that. thing that came from covid i love that and that's such a great question like what are we waiting for you know even with rescue glass what am, like yeah. there's, a, there's a moment where you know you got to be ready for it as well like for instance if a shark wants to invest in us and all that stuff we want to get capital and all that stuff yes we gotta be ready for that but like starting a podcast starting your own side hustle starting your own opportunity what are you waiting for it's such a great question it's so strong it's got so much meaning to it as well and i completely resonate with that very much thank you so much for sharing that yeah. Well, let's flip it back to you then. What do you think? What have you learned from, from COVID? Yeah. Um, I think it's about, you know, time will only tell and trust the process. There's two components to it, right? Initially, I've had so many people who've talked so much and I've had such un unrealistic expectations. For instance, first four months of wrestling class, I expected to be a million dollar company. And I, and I really did. And I was, I guess, lost my own way because I was being unrealistic. 
So the first thing is like having realistic expectations and trusting the process. Great, great things take time. All we're doing now is planting seeds and let the seeds slowly, slowly grow. And then you'll, in a few years, you'll be able to see, you know, the fruits of your labor. So that's the biggest thing for me. It's just, yeah, yeah. time will tell and actions speak louder than words. You know, a lot of people talk a lot and that's fine. No worries, but actions speak louder than words. And it's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay mm. to feel lost sometimes. It's okay to feel like a failure. It happens. It's all about learning to love yourself. And it's, it's an everyday thing. Yeah, I mean, COVID has definitely forced everyone uh, to, to a halt, really. Uh, and it's given us time to, to think about uh, what's going on in our lives and, and slow down and really consider where things are going and, and what we want things to be like. Because we've been forced out of action, really, and everyone's had to stop. And I think it's a great opportunity for everyone to reevaluate their lives. I think that's what the majority of people have done. Unfortunately, people have fallen into depression. They've really felt lonely and isolated, um, which, which is why one of the reasons why I wanted to start speaking about it publicly, you know, but for, for many people as well, it's really enlightened them like myself. Like I feel enlightened now that I've learned a lot and I'm more in tune with myself. Before I was just a cog in society in this economic machine. But now I feel like I can be an individual and I know more what I want. I mean, we've spoken about this where going into our third year, this is the most uncertain time, I think. It's like, is it this or is it this? What is it? What what is, what, what will become of me? So yeah, really, really good points. 100%. And to, to end up, I would like to ask, like, what are you looking, what are you most looking forward to um, third year? And what are you most excited about? Just getting involved in things, mainly not in the social side, but also on the social side with things like business club, King's business club. And, and um, I'm also the president of KCL Barbell. So I'm going to get back and start training with my coach. And it's, it's going to be really exciting. I'm just looking forward to coming back and meeting people, having discussions in person, like the ones that we're having now. Um, and yeah, just getting back to my studies really and being able to go to lectures that may sound quite boring, but I'm actually really excited to sit in a lecture hall again. Like I haven't been, yeah. I haven't stepped foot in Bush House for far too long. It's about time uh, I smelt that air again, I think. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. So it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking with you today. Uh, I've really, really learned a lot from from just your business and also your mindset. I think we share a lot of attributes in that sense. Um, so I'll, fin- I'll finish with that. Um, I want to thank everyone for making it this far. It's been a fantastic episode and you're welcome back anytime with any new businesses and ideas that you come up with. So yeah, thank you, thanks, thank you to everyone for listening and thank you, Manish, for coming on. Thank you so much, Alex, for uh, organizing this and having the time to talk to me today. I learned a lot from you as well. And thanks so much for King's Business Club for making this possible. <laughs>